Why are we doing this? Why are we tempting nuclear annihilation by flooding Ukraine with advanced weapons and sabotaging negotiations at every turn? We've been told by people like Senator Dick Durbin that Ukraine is literally in a battle for freedom and democracy itself. And therefore, anyone who opposes military aid to Ukraine opposes the very defense of democracy, according to this logic. So where's the democracy in Vladimir Zelensky's decision to ban opposition parties, to criminalize the media outlets of his legitimate political opponents, to jail his top political rival and his deputies, to raid Orthodox churches and jail clergymen? Where is the democracy in the Ukrainian government's imprisonment of Gonzalo Lira, an American citizen, simply for challenging the official narrative of Ukraine's war? And where is the democracy in Zelensky's recent decision to suspend elections in 2024 on the grounds that martial law has been declared? The answer is that Ukrainian democracy is harder to find these days than that country's commander-in-chief, Valery Zeluzhny. Senator Lindsey Graham has offered a much more grim and more on the mark rationale for supplying Ukraine with billions in weapons. As the senator boasted during a recent visit with Zelensky in Kiev, the Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent. I repeat, the Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent. And Graham has also said that Americans are ready to fight this war down to the last Ukrainian. While official casualty numbers are strictly classified, we must worry that Ukraine is well on its way to fulfilling the senator's ghoulish fantasies. As a Ukrainian soldier complained this month to Vice News, we don't know what Zelensky's plans are, but, quote, it looks like the extermination of its own population, like of the combat-ready and working-age population. That's it. Indeed, military cemeteries in Ukraine are expanding almost as rapidly as the Northern Virginia McMansions and beachfront estates of executives from Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, and assorted Beltway contractors benefiting from the second highest level of military spending since World War II. These are the real winners of the Ukraine proxy war, not average Ukrainians or Americans or Russians, the winners or Europeans for that matter. The winners are people like Secretary of State Tony Blinken, who spent his time between the Obama and Biden administrations launching a consulting firm called Westex Executive advisors, which secured lucrative government contracts for intelligence firms in the arms industry. Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show. It's more War Monday here at Red Voice Media Network. And uh, I just have to tell you, we're called the most dangerous network in America because we bring you the facts and the truth. That was Max Blumenthal testifying before the UN Security Council. Yeah, that's the United Nations Security Council. So they've had the truth. Uh, given to them, folks. Uh, and the title of today's show is We Really Are at the Brink of Nuclear War. If Ukraine's counteroffensive against Moscow's invasion captures uh, Russian territory, there will be no alternative to using strategic nuclear weapons. Those are the words of Russia's Dmitry Medvedev in a warning on Sunday. Let me quote him. There would simply be no other way out close quote, of using nuclear weapons if the Ukrainian offensive succeeded in taking Russian territory. Now, Medvedev's a former Russian president and current National Security Council Jeopardy chairman. And he said that in a post on social media. But I got to tell you, he has not been shy at all about threatening nuclear war before. Uh, it, but this is a direct threat. We haven't seen this one as up to this point. It is clear Russia sees the territory it occupies in Crimea as Russian, and they likely see the areas they control in southeast Ukraine and the Donbass region as Russian. They have supported their efforts at independence in the separatist areas. They have said they would incorporate them and recognize them as separate countries if they requested to. But the counteroffensive has been bogged down since its very beginning, however, and according to a, a recent on-the-ground analysis of the Ukraine Armed Forces by a senior fellow with the Institute for International Strategic Studies and the Center for New American Security, quote, it's clear the country is struggling with how to employ its forces. Once in the fight, they sometimes display poor tactics and a lack of coordination between units, all while having to cope with a still deeply entrenched bureaucracy, infighting, and a continued reliance on, quote, Soviet-style thinking, close quote. Then there are the Russians, 
who are putting up stiff resistance. That's the end of the senior fellow's quote about the war that he's visited on the front lines, talking to the folks in command of this war on the front line and to the men who are fighting it. So is this open talk of nuclear warfare an empty threat? I think not, since NATO and the United States are going increasingly all in on the war every single day. Unfortunately, the pro-war Westerners don't seem to take this seriously and are encouraging Americans to ignore it. Folks, we do so at great peril. But no serious United States leader, unless your name is Donald Trump, will even talk privately about reaching a solution using statement, statesmanship. Yeah, we're at that brink we've warned you about for over a year. Well, my guest today is my friend Matt Couch, who is a host on the Red Voice Media Network of Facts Not Fiction. Uh, he's had some medical uh, troubles uh, here in the last few months, but we are glad to have him back because the last time that you and I talked about the Ukraine-Russia war, Matt, we got a certain miniature canine set of avatars all upset for weeks and weeks and weeks <laughs> on Twitter and social media. You're looking great, brother. How are you? I'm good, sir. I'm good. I apologize for being late. I was literally uh, getting fitted for my prosthetic, so I've got my first shrinker on. So it's been a uh, been a crazy ride for the last two months, but uh, you know God's good and He's He's guiding me through and. Can't thank you enough for what you've done for me and the network, and uh, just just blessed to be a part of the Red Voice family, Colonel. Well, you look great. You sound great. Uh, of course, we've all been following along and praying for you, my friend, and praying for your girls. And uh, I know your dad is working working and things hard for you. And uh, uh, we are really appreciate you getting back in the saddle, so to speak. And uh, I hope the prosthetic fit went well. Uh, those could be tough things. I know a lot of folks that have been through that. So it's interesting. I didn't know what a shrinker was until today, but it uh, it actually makes my uh, you know for those that don't know, I lost about my right leg right at the knee, pretty much right above the knee, and so mm -hmm. um, due to due to some AFib and blood clots and just uh, a heck of a mess, you know. But you know, God's guided me through, and thanks to the prayers of so many of you guys out there and uh, fans and and followers. I mean, I can't thank everybody enough, but. It was interesting, you know, it goes over the, the uh, where, I don't know what you would call it, the nub or whatever we're calling it at this point. I have no idea what to call it, but um, it, it's pretty cool how this all works itself out. And they showed me, you know, different kinds of uh, prosthetics. I mean, they've even got some that have computers in them now uh, that think like, so like it knows if you're about to, if you start to make a move in a certain direction, it feels like you're going to stand up and it hits a hydraulic and goes to push off for you. It's crazy. Oh, uh, that's great. But those are about the price yeah. of a Buick, I think. I'm not sure, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was interesting to see all the different stuff today. But yeah, these NAFO furries. I don't know if they're still around or not. I've been, uh, I, I, I've been blown away by the, uh, uh, by the crowd. I, I, I've been. I don't know. I guess I upset the DeSantis crowd somehow recently. I don't know what I did there, Colonel. But um, you know, uh, the the like you said, you said in your opening intro. You know, the infighting, uh, the the nonsensical stuff that really doesn't matter. I mean, it's 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 bizarre to me that people can still look at the situation in the Ukraine and think that America is helping this situation by funding this proxy war. Um, you know, I, I saw, I can't, it was, I was watching a, a program and the guy was from a different country and he was talking about how they'd given, you know, $2 billion. I think it might've been an early Sunday morning show. And I yeah. can't remember if he was, Aust I think it might've been Australian. Don't hold me to that. So we've given one to two billion dollars, and you know, compared to what the U.S. has given, you know, that's a fraction. It's what one percent, probably, of what we've given. Yeah. But even he was complaining. The Australian was complaining about the two billion that they had given to the Ukrainians. And so I don't know what the overall total is. Obviously, the U.S. is the catalyst here. But you know, if if the U.K. is given thirty billion, and you know, France has given thirty billion, and Germany's given twenty-five billion. Overall, and then you look at what the U.S. has given them, I mean, it gives me a migraine thinking about this. I mean, what are we talking here, Colonel? A trillion dollars to these morons? And they and they still are losing this war? I mean, at some point, people have to wake up and realize they're being played. Um, this yeah. is a proxy war. We've got a president that literally doesn't know who he is. 
Uh, and if I have to see his man boobs on the beach in one more photo, I'm going to lose it. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, I, I don't know how we stop this thing, but it is. A, but, but here's the thing: we're provoking a nuclear power. We are provoking, and I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound like a scene from Top Gun. This is going to be right up your alley, you know, with your 32 years in the Air Force. But we've got guys doing TikTok videos that are provoking fifth-generation fighters. This is yep. not a good yep. scenario, Colonel, and I'll yield back to you. Oh, yeah, Matt. You, you remember uh, – you may not remember because you've been through a lot since then, but we talked about a year ago or a little bit more than a year ago uh, – when uh, the feckless response to Putin's announcement that, hey, I'm putting my strategic, all my nuclear forces on a heightened state of alert about two or three weeks after he started the war, uh, he said that. And what was our response? Our response was to cancel our regularly scheduled ICBM, that's intercontin intercontinental ballistic missile, that's literally pulled out of a out of a hole, a missile silo where it's had a warhead on it, a nuclear warhead that is supposed to test the entire crew, the combat mission ready crews taken from its base, the security force crew that protects it, the maintenance crew, uh, the communications crew for the nuclear command and control communication system, all that is taken to Vandenberg Air Force Base and we do a test shot of it minus the nuclear warhead. We put a telemetry package on there, but it's supposed to test that whole system to send a message to our enemy. And our nuclear enemies, are, that are capable of destroying us are very few. Russia is the most, and China is next. But Russia is the most. And when, when Biden, as soon as he responded that way, he opened the door that, to what Medvedev just said yesterday, Matt, that if Ukraine takes Russian territory, we must respond with strategic nuclear weapons is what he actually said, if I got my quote, my translation correct. Uh, I mean, that's the guy's the deputy chairman of the National Security Council and used to be president of Russia. Right. You cannot take that lightly. But the no. reason why we're there and he feels comfortable enough to say that is because they don't believe that we will respond with a nuclear attack. Right. If they use a nuclear weapon. And, you know, it's debatable whether we should respond at all if they use a nuclear weapon on Ukraine. They're, they're, they're in a special military operation. Uh, Ukraine's in all-out total war against them, uh, you know. Uh, so they're not really going to be attacking a NATO country. That's one of the reasons why it's so critical that NATO not include Ukraine. Right. And, and then you add what just happened at the uh, NATO conference where they said, oh, no, we're not going to bring Ukraine into NATO. Uh, that's because the United States and NATO are deterred in the nuclear realm. And that's why Medvedev it feels free. And I'm sure he cleared it with his leadership before he said it to send that message that we're going to do what we need to do to win. And you better not do anything, U.S. and NATO. And U.S. and NATO are deterred. No matter what else they say from this point out, they yeah. are deterred because of that fact pattern. Well, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And so many people just don't understand military history or military strategy. If you look at what Russia's doing, you know, everyone's like, oh, why? You know, they're losing the war. They're not losing the war. They continue to gain ground every single day. They control the, the, the Donbass regions. They control Donetsk. They control Crimea. And they continue to inch in and control more and more and more of the Ukraine every day. Maybe half a mile, maybe a square mile. Who knows what it is, Colonel? But if you look at history and how the Red Army, how the Russian Army, how they have done things, it is slow, grinding, methodical. They wear you down. They kill you. They starve you out. And it's just a, it's literally like a grinder coming at you that you can't stop no matter what you throw at it. This is old school Russian military tactics, in my opinion. They're doing exactly what they want to do. They're wearing the Ukrainians down, and they've weakened their allies, their adversaries. Allies. They've weakened their adversaries. The yeah. U.S., the U.S., the U.S. and the U.K. and France. We don't even have bullets to throw at them at this point. We've given so much to the Ukraine and the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, the North Koreans. They all realize that. They know that. Yeah. So not only is Russia winning this war? 
they have put all of us at a disadvantage. We don't have enough, uh, you know, weaponry to even fight a war right now because of this. It's a genius strategy. And of course, our media, our government doesn't have the testicular fortitude to actually say what I just said, but we're in a lot of trouble. If they were to- We are, and, we are I, in a lot I, of trouble, I, Matt. Hey, I mean, we gotta take a break because we're live now. So I gotta take, I gotta go to a commercial. We'll come back and we'll talk about exactly what's going on and why the Russians are winning. Right here at Red Voice Media, we bring you the facts and the truth and that makes us the most dangerous network in America. And we're gonna stay dangerous. We'll be right back. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. Next month, I'll be speaking at uh, uh, in New York City uh, on August 6th. That's um, Hiroshima Day. Uh, we'll be talking about, you know, the first use of the atomic bomb by the United States against Japan. We're the only nation to have used nuclear weapons against uh, another state. Um, and I think it's important that we put it into the context of, uh, of you know, the deterioration of U.S.-Russian relations. I mean, we, we right now have both uh, NATO and Russia talking about the potential of actually using nuclear weapons. There's people saying, we will use nuclear weapons of X, Y, Z. This is insanity, ladies and gentlemen, because there is no such thing as a limited nuclear war. Uh, any use of nuclear weapons would immediately devolve into a general nuclear exchange, and then we're all dead, and it doesn't matter. You, there won't be any journey to accompany me on. Um, so none of, you have, none of you haters out there have to worry about that. But um, you know, this journey is about a process of peace. Welcome back to The Rob Manus Show here on Red Voice Media Network, the most dangerous network in America because we bring you the facts and the truth and we don't give a damn. We don't give a damn what the mainstream media or what I call them is the government's propaganda arms give a damn about it. We don't care. We're still gonna bring it to you, the truth and the facts, so you can make up your own mind and get past the government and media propaganda and narrative and make better decisions for you and your family. We're talking with uh, my friend Matt Couch uh, today, uh, uh, who is also a host of, of uh, Facts Not Fiction on the Red Voice Media Network. But but the reason I brought bring him on on More War Mondays, folks, is because this man has a better understanding of the geopolitical challenges facing us in America and NATO from the national security perspective than the most elite people that are actually in the government. Believe me, there are thousands of Americans that have a better understanding of this, but Matt is particularly articulate at putting those ideas together and explaining them to the American people. Uh, Matt, uh, that was Scott Ritter, former uh, weapons inspector, uh, hated by the by the warmongers, hated, absolutely hated. You know, the conference he's gonna be speaking at on August 6th, I'm sure there are some leftists and Marxists included in that in that uh, organization. Uh, uh, but uh, but I, what I wanted people to hear him talking about is 
this idea that you can have a limited nuclear exchange is folly when you're talking about two powers like the United States and Russia actually saying, yeah, we can fight a nuclear war. Yeah, sure, we can do that. Uh, now, now, we did the Cold War thing forever and a day and brought the old Soviet Union down, and they believed that too. The Soviet armed forces, uh, the Soviet communists, they believed that too, that you could do that. Uh, but it doesn't take very long uh, for things to go really south, really fast. That's what Scott was saying in that video, short video clip there. Uh, and, uh, and you end up in a major strategic nuclear exchange between the two most heavily armed countries in the world, the United States and, uh, and Russia. You know, it's, uh, we really are at the brink. Yeah, I think we are. And I, and I think it's, it's pivotal that people understand that, you know, once you, it's kind of like a Pringles commercial. You know, the old once you once you pop, you can't stop type thing. You know, once somebody pops off a nuclear bomb, it's not like the other side is normally going to be like, oh, you know, we'll just let that one slide. Yeah. Um, I do believe if it's Russia and the Ukraine, the United States and every other country needs to stay out of it. Um, I think the evidence is there that the Ukrainians are not this amazing group of people that are innocent in this entire situation. We know the Aslaw battalions, we know the Nazi battalions, we know uh, the atrocities that were done in Eastern Ukraine and the Donbas and Donetsk regions. We know those are facts, this is not fiction, these are facts. The Ukrainian military has been attacking that, and that's a, that's a huge Russian sect you know, of people 70, 80% Russian supporting in the Eastern part of the Ukraine. And yeah. they've been attacking them since 2014. Putin, this war didn't just start. It started in 2014. It's so bad those provinces have their own militaries that are not part of the Ukraine that has been fighting the Ukraine. And basically, for those that don't know, Putin just had enough. His Orthodox priest came to him and said, hey, they're committing genocides. They're killing Russians by the thousands. They're bombing Russians, you know, you know they're bombing the homes over there. And, 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 it's, and it's not like Putin didn't warn Zelensky or the Ukrainians. There were warnings. And they mm -hmm. just ignored them. And here we are, and you know the war machine needs an enemy, but more or less, th that's just the tip of the iceberg. We haven't even got into the fact of the corruption of the Biden family and the Democrats and the money laundering and what happens in the Ukraine. There's a serious, uh, you know, problem with this entire scenario, Colonel. And I don't know, you know, you can't, as you peel the layers of the onion back, it gets worse and worse. But let's we'll keep it focused here on the nuclear scenario. I, I just think they're serious about this. I think Russia's pissed off. They realize that, you know, that, that most people are doing what they shouldn't be doing, which is supporting, you know, I, I just don't think that anyone should be supporting this thing militarily. It doesn't affect the United States. It doesn't affect the United Kingdom. It doesn't, and, you know, it doesn't affect France or any of these, these other countries. You know, the UK, I think, is really a strategic target of Russia. They've been training tens of thousands of Ukrainian troops in camps yep. over in the United Kingdom, and then sending them back to the Ukraine to fight Russian forces. Uh, we're not, thank God we're not doing that. At least as far as I know, we don't have tens of thousands of Ukrainian troops on U.S. soil, you know, teaching them and training them at Fort Bragg or Pope or somewhere like that, or Chaffee, who knows, but. Oh, and, I don't know what the numbers are, but we do have them. We do have some, I, I know you yeah. would know that with your, with, your, with your contacts, but at the end yeah. of the day, that puts a, that puts a mark on you, whatever you want to call it, as a country. Um, I'm not advocating for this. I'm not a Putin. I don't have a Putin jersey. I don't have a Putin hat. But I think Russia has every viable right to be pissed off right now. And I think we're very lucky that they haven't unleashed hell over there. And I'll yield back to you. I don't know what your take is, but you probably agree with that. Well, I think the reason why they haven't uh, unleashed total hell on it is because the counteroffensive is going so bad, so badly. You know, uh, I came across this article from the senior fellow from the uh, ISSS uh, and Center for New American Security. You know, he took a team of five uh, over and went on the ground to the front lines. And he, he's saying things like this. Uh, you know, once in the fight, uh, the Ukrainians sometimes display poor tactics and a lack of coordination between units, all while having to cope with a still deeply entrenched bureaucracy in fighting, blah, 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 and continued reliance on Soviet-style thinking. And then at the very end, he goes, 
And then there are the Russians who are putting up really stiff resistance. It, you know, this guy goes on and on and on here. You know, uh, uh, here's another point. Uh, no one single reason, such as a lack of more Western weaponry in faster or longer range munitions, uh, is the cause for a lack of progress. That's that's from the analysis that they did after going over and talking to the tactical commanders and the infantrymen uh, fighting the war and everything. And uh, the uh, I know that he even underscored that with uh, you know the narrative that Ukrainian progress as far as slow because just because of lack of weapons and deliveries and support is not shared by those we spoke to actually fighting and exercising command on the front line. So he's not just talking out of his you know what, Matt. Right. He, I mean, he, uh, these guys went and spoke to these folks. And uh, it's amazing that this is not in the media. This is not in the media. None of this stuff, I mean, there, this, this article is just a report on the senior fellows team's analysis based on their visit. Uh, but uh, there are 16 different things in this, just in this article talking about what is going on, you know? what. Here's the obvious one. Hey, this is an infantryman's fight at the squad, platoon, and company level supported by artillery. We we talked about that the last time we spoke about this. Is that is that the Russians' ability to make artillery and get artillery shells is not been hampered by by the sanctions. And here now we have the president of the United States saying, "Well, we're sending these cluster artillery, cluster bomb artillery shells over because we're out of 155 artillery shells of the normal kind." Right. We are. Right. And this all ties into the nuclear threat because let's go back to what Medvedev had the audacity to say yesterday. We will use. We will be forced to do it if Ukrainians take Russian territory. And I believe that they believe the Donbass region that they occupy now is Russian territory now. That's my opinion. I know I, that the Crimea is considered Russian territory. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I was going to ask you this question, Colonel, because I don't get to, uh, I, I like asking you questions. It's a lot more fun. You've got, you've got that inside knowledge. But um, I, no one's talked about this. You know, they've tried to attack the presidential palace in Russia a couple of times with these drones. And if let's just say they're successful, right? They put a big hole in the side of the presidential palace. I, I think if they ever succeeded that, what Kiev is going to look like is going to be very, very ugly. Would you, am I wrong to assume that? Oh, you're not wrong. Uh, after the break here, I got to do this ad read real quick, uh, Matt. You, you know that uh, that drill. But after the break, we'll we'll come back and we'll talk about the latest attack on Moscow. Uh, and in between that attack and the one you're talking about on the bridge, uh, there, uh, what Russia did in response to that. Uh, attention, fellow Americans, breaking news, Biden's dangerous plan for the digital dollar is being implemented right now. Do not be fooled. It's not going to benefit you. Act before it's too late. I bet you don't even know the Federal Reserve's phase deployment of Fed now started on July 1st, 2023, just weeks ago. So brace yourselves. This is going to catch a lot of you guys off guard. Your hard-earned assets are at risk, but there's a way to legally opt out of the digital dollar in time. How? With one straightforward, straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833-2USA-GOLD. That's right, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide will outline the precise steps you need to take to immediately transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals all without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833-2USA-GOLD. That's right. Call now, 833-287-2465, 833-287-2465. We'll be right back. interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. 
Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833 833- 287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465. If uh, uh, Russia has definitely said it would respond to any uh, nuclear provocation, and uh, as you say, if the United States were to initiate one, you don't think that uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, uh, Secretary of State Blinken, uh, Victoria Newland, uh, you don't think they care about their own families when uh, uh, they do this? Because arguably there are uh, Hollywood films about the war that should remind them of the consequences and reality of what it's like to be in a war and the fact there are no winners of even a conventional war, let alone a nuclear one. You know, one of those films is dominating the airwaves over here right now. Well, there, there you go. Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> I am become death, quoting uh, the uh, Indian religious figure. Um, I'm not so sure that that's a proper characterization of the present situation, because I think what we're looking at now is increasingly, and I've just reviewed the joint publications, which are the publications for the American military with regard to operations, on nuclear weapons. And what I've found is a cavalier attitude toward those weapons. That is to say, they're just bigger weapons. I'm encouraged by the fact that in all of them I reviewed, there is the statement, quote, the president of the United States is the only one with the authority to use nuclear weapons, unquote. Um, that's somewhat reassuring until you think about the presidents we've had of late, and then it's not so reassuring. But I say that because I think we've come into a time again. Look at what we've done. We have annulled or withdrawn from unilaterally or just flat canceled every nuclear arms control agreement painfully achieved during the Cold War, from the ABM Treaty, which my president, George W. Bush, abrogated without a fairly well, all the way to open skies, and now finally start, because Putin is not about to come back to start after Ukraine. So we have no arms control. We have a military that's talking about nuclear weapons as though they had battlefield utility, developing doctrine for their use and so forth. The Russians are doing the same thing. We're looking at a possibility of getting into some kind of tactical use of nuclear weapons that would, uh, shall we say, customize them, make them actually something that we use on the battlefield. This is disaster for the environment, for people's lives, for everything we're talking about that we want to stop with the Ukraine war as the primary example right now. Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show here on the Red Voice Media Network. We're we're known as the most dangerous network in America now because we have the audacity to bring you the facts and the truth. And I'm talking today with a uh, host of uh, Facts Not Fiction on RBM Network, uh, Matt Couch, who's uh, coming off of, a, of a, a poor health stint and really kicking butt in that recovery. And uh, you look great, my friend, and you sound great. Uh, uh, and obviously, your mind is working well. It sounds like your body's cooperating and you're you're uh, you're overcoming uh, some pretty tough times, uh, so that's fantastic news, man. You know that was Larry Wilkerson. He was Colin Powell's chief of staff 
while at the uh, State Department. He, he was also uh, a retired full colonel uh, and uh, worked with General Powell when he was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, too. So, I mean, he, he, uh, uh, he, he, he speaks a little bit about uh, uh, nuclear weapons being thought of as, as a utility weapon on the battlefield. And, and, you know, you have to have those doctrines. I, I helped write the uh, theater nuclear operations joint publication that he was talking about uh, when I was a young major up on the joint staff in the Pentagon, Matt. And uh, you have to have those those doctrines, those operational uh, tactics, techniques, uh, uh, the strategic thought, the strategy in order to be credible. You have to be credible. Uh, so you have to address the issue of using nuclear weapons on the battlefield. Uh, I don't have so much a problem with that as I have a problem with that we have shown our hand to be so weak that the Russians uh, and, and others are openly talking about using nuclear weapons on the battlefield because they don't think we're going to do anything. I, you know, we missed an opportunity, and we talked about this before. You know, NATO could have put their NATO, their nuclear capability on alert. It's be, it's by aircraft, uh, you know, and and sent the right message to the Russians to Putin that said, hey, you're putting your stuff on higher alert. We're putting ours on higher alert, and that maintains parity what we call parity, so that in the mind of the adversaries between the two, that uh, both sides are aware that they have the gumption and the political will, to put it in fancy words, uh, uh, the political will and the capability and the reliability and the technical uh, ability and warfighting ability to deliver the weapons if, uh, if they uh, ever get uh, nuclear weapons used on them. Uh, but we didn't do that. We missed that opportunity. We can't do it now because it would be purely escalatory uh, to do it today, especially after Medvedev's statement. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's sad that they've let this get to this stage. I mean, Belarus basically just gave control of their military to Putin and the Russians. I mean, Russia can now strike from Belarus which gives them easier access to Europe, uh, you know, France, the United Kingdom. Russia can also now strike from Crimea. They've moved some batteries and things into there. Uh, and, and the whole time, not just the offensive that Russia is putting on, but it's also because of the U.S. and NATO's actions, Colonel, that they've started to put in defense mechanisms, right? So we're talking surface yeah. air missiles, things like that, that weren't in those regions, and they're, and they're fortifying those in case the U.S. or NATO decides to get froggy, you know, they've made it now to where it's going to be near impossible. They've already got, as you said, they've already got massive air superiority, regardless of what our government and the media says, in the Ukraine. Um, I mean, we, we know that just from the fact that they took down one of our $35 million Reaper drones with a flyby. Um, and these are veteran pilots, veteran soldiers. Um, I truly believe we're underestimating them. Uh, you know, war-hardened, battle-hardened, fifth-generation fighter pilots, um, you know, on top of the, you know, 200,000, you know, troops that have been fighting this war since 2014, rolling in and out, you know, with reserves and back and forth they go from Russia to the front lines. They've been doing that for, you know, eight, nine years now. Um, Russia doesn't seem phased. Uh, and the people are steadily behind Putin as his popularity continues to grow, despite what Western media says. And because he's saying the right things. He's against pedophilia. He's against the trafficking of children. He's against uh, Christians and, and, and uh, you know, Russian people being slaughtered. He's doing and saying the right thing. Now, he is a dictator and a warmonger, and nobody's going to dispute that. Once again, I have to feel it's sad we have to advocate that no one here is a Vladimir Putin fan. But when you look at the two evils of Zelensky versus Putin, it's apparent that Zelensky is the fraud here, Colonel. I mean, the, the the guy, I mean, everyone, does the guy not own a suit? Everyone else shows up for these, you know, events dressed like they're at an event for a meeting, and this guy shows up like he bought his stuff at Baby Gap, you know, and he, and he wants to, uh, he wants to impress everybody because he's got a cool, uh, you know, cool Wolverine-like T-shirt on. It's yeah. obvious this guy's a fraud. It's a front. Everything he does is a front, and, and he just continues to take money. Uh, celebrities and politicians and the media continue to buy into it. To me, the way you stop this conflict is you cut off the money. You've got to cut off the money from the Biden administration regime. You've got to cut off the money from Congress and the Senate. You know, it, why McCarthy hasn't taken a massive stance on this 
is beyond me. This should be the number one thing. I mean, I, I mean, other than, you know, I, mean, I, I don't want to get into like Trump indictments. I want to stay focused here or, you know, all the different things that Hunter Biden nonsense. Yeah. But reality, none of that is really affecting Americans. It's not. You know, I mean, Trump, Trump's going to do what Trump does. Um, Biden's probably not going to get, you know, indicted. I don't think anyone believes that's going to happen. But throw those things out the window of things that you can control. You can control your tax dollars being sent to the Ukraine. You can stop this war if our Congress votes to defund this nonsense, Colonel. And that's the only because if they don't have the funding, then they've got to get to the negotiation table. And I don't know how to get it there without stopping the funding because it's just going to escalate, escalate. And eventually, I think that's kind of what you were trying to say earlier on, um, you know, to people to make sure people are paying attention. What Colonel's trying to say is eventually someone's going to do something stupid here because this yep. conflict has carried on too long. It could be a button pusher. It doesn't even have to be a nuke. I mean, you know, Russia has a, uh, you know, we have the MOB, the, the mother of all bombs. They've got another one. And there's the father of all bombs or something. They have a phobe or something. It's a little bigger <laughs> than a phobe. I'm sure. And, I'm sure they do. They they have a tendency to to uh, reverse engineer anything that, that yeah, we build. Uh, uh, like you know, pounds than the mo, but yeah. you know, and and they've tested it before in like the Middle East and like Syria and Afghanistan, and you know, immediately the U.S. cried out war crimes. You know, oh, you know, and it's you know, meanwhile we're doing the same thing, which is just where you just shake your head. But yeah, you know, what if they drop one of those, uh, you know, on the presidential palace in Kiev, or they hit Lviv, or, or whatever it is. Something's going to trigger this thing that draws us in or draws somebody else in. And that's my big concern here. I think it's your concern. How do you, Colonel, how do you cut off the money? It's got to be cut off immediately. We've been saying that for six months, right? Yeah. Well, the, you know, Republicans have control of the House, but, you know, I mean, we're in the minority in the Republican Party. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's still full of warmongers. And uh, some of them are military guys and gals, too, that— that support this. And it's not that I don't support Ukraine's right to defend themselves. I've said this before. I don't know why I have to keep saying it. And I certainly don't think Vladimir Putin's some great guy, although, you know, they are passing laws in the Duma, the, the Russian Congress, uh, that uh, that outlaw LGBTQ propaganda going to children and, uh, and mutilation surgeries on children uh, and those kind of things. So, you know, uh, I mean, he's not totally crazy because, I mean, we, we're talking about and, and some states are doing those exact things, too. So I think we I think we have a lot of th more things in common that, with Russia than we have with uh, the Ukraine, quite honestly. Uh, we didn't have that much in common with the Soviet Union where we were able to uh, get them to the table for peace talks and those kinds of things pretty easily, quite honestly. And, and and that's the thing, you know, we can cut off the money, but if we don't have a statesman rise out of these ashes and, and come forward to, uh, to get the job done uh, from a statesmanship perspective, uh, then cutting off the money is not going to work either because, uh, you know, just like Russia's doing, they'll, they'll get their stuff done uh, by other means. And, uh, and uh, the Europeans will just step up and probably pony up more money and those kind of things. But, but honestly, between Europe and the United States, we don't have the manufacturing base that we need to have to continue to do this. Well, Matt, I got to take another break because we got to pay for this dang show. Uh, but when we come back, we'll talk about the one man that's standing up and saying, I can get this job done when it comes to peace between Russia and Ukraine. And his name starts with a T, the last name does. We'll be right back.
Our country has been totally humiliated, and we have a corrupt, compromised president, crooked Joe Biden, who is dragging us into World War III, and that's what's happening on behalf of a nation that paid his family millions and millions of dollars in obvious bribes. All you have to do is take a look at how much China, how much Ukraine have paid the Biden family. It's a total disgrace and a very dangerous one. Under these circumstances, the notion that we would even consider admitting Ukraine into NATO at this time is completely unhinged. Joe Biden can't even walk up a flight of stairs on Air Force One, and he can't put two sentences together. The last thing that this incompetent administration should be doing is risking war with a nuclear-armed Russia or China or other countries. We have somebody that doesn't have a clue representing us. When I'm back in the White House on day one, we are returning to a foreign policy that puts America's interests first. America's chief interest in Eastern Europe is peace and stability. We want people to stop dying. This war should never have happened, but it is long past time to end the senseless death and destruction. The numbers are much worse than you're reading about or hearing about or than they're telling you. Many more people are dying than you have any idea, and certainly many more than they're willing to say. Welcome back to The Rob Maida Show, live here on the Red Voice Media Network, the most dangerous network in America, because we dare to bring you the facts and the truth, and that was... Uh, the 45th president of the United States, Donald John Trump, talking about what he's going to do when he's back in the Oval Office in 2024. And he's the only American leader that has been in high, high office, in this case, the presidency of the United States, that has a cogent, thought-out plan that he knows he can get done to end this war before it escalates into a World War III or worse, a global strategic nuclear uh, exchange between Russia and the United States and maybe even China, if China's ICBM force is ready uh, by the time that happens. We're talking with Matt Couch today uh, here. Uh, you know, Matt, uh, before we dive into what the president said there uh, and talk about uh, his approach, let me just give everybody a warning from this analysis from this team that went over to the Ukraine. One of the things that Americans are complaining about, and I am too, I'm making fun, I'm mocking the generals that wear American uniforms because they said, well, you're going to see these combined arms operations and maneuvers and those kind of things, and the Ukrainian counteroffensive is going to just knock the Russians out. Uh, now, now, consider the Russian armed forces is one of the most uh, capable armed forces. Uh, well, I think it is the most capable armed force uh, in the world today outside of the United States. But that's not the warning. The warning comes at the end of that analysis where he writes, no Western type of military can really do the sort of combined operations at scale, which is what's needed with the exception of the United States. But even the United States Armed Forces would have a very difficult time breaking through these defensive layers of Russia because no Western military in the world currently has any experience in breaching the types of defenses in depth that the Russians have put up in the south and east of Ukraine. That's, that's as close to a compliment to the Russian armed forces that, that this guy got. I mean, there is some propaganda—this is propaganda because you could tell that he's afraid to take on the American and Western and NATO uh, warmongering establishment and really say what he thinks, which is, you guys are nuts, you know? Uh, you better get to the negotiating table really quick, you know? I mean, I mean when, they, when they went after the bridge with the underwater vehicles, which were probably ours, by the way, uh, more than likely, uh, in some way or another, uh, and they had that success, Russia responded with a massive strategic air campaign and withdrawing from the grain deal, the Black Sea grain uh, shipment deal, where Ukraine was able to ship grain out, uh, and started attacking the port system in Odessa and the port system around the country, up the rivers and those kind of things. Now, they've been accused of attacking the world's, the global food supply, uh, but what they're really doing 
is attacking the ability of the Ukrainians to ship and receive armament and supplies that's feeding their forces. That's a, that's a legitimate military target. And they're opening up the grain business for their farmers in Russia. It's a very brilliant strategic move, but that's the kind of response you get from a, power, from a world power that's a near peer to the United States of America and has previously been a peer and operated on the global stage uh, for many, many years. Uh, that's the kind of approach you get instead of, well, we're just going to, you know, march our tanks up to your lines and try to grind you out. Uh, well, I hate to tell you this, but that's the Russian army uh, is a professional army now. It's, it's not the Soviet conscript army of the, of the day. And, and they have built an amazing, apparently, set of fortifications for defensive network. And everybody knows, including our guys, I'm mocking them, I'm mocking you guys, but you know that I know that it takes a lot more offensive individuals and a lot less defensive numbers uh, to continue to defend if you have good defenses built uh, and your folks are properly trained. And that's the warning I have for you, is that this analysis says only the United States can do this at the scale required, and even it doesn't have the experience, because we've been out flying around in the desert, moving around in the desert in the wide open with our tanks and armor and all that stuff, plenty, plenty of visibility, except for during the sandstorms and those kinds of things, I get it, but the terrain is totally different. This is Europe and Eastern Europe now, uh, and, uh, and uh, maneuver warfare is a lot more difficult in that type of situation, and we don't have that experience. We do not have that experience, and we've operated in what's called a permissive environment, Matt. Uh, so that's the warning right here. And why President Trump, in my opinion, I want to get your take on, on, his, on his, his solution, is exactly right. It's what you and I talked about the last time we talked about this. We need a statesman to arise right now and get this ball rolling before it goes too far. And every day we wait is an increasing danger of nuclear warfare. Yeah, I don't know how you get to that point. I mean, like, you know, China secretly a week ago sent enough gear to Russia to equip an entire army. You know, nobody's covering or talking about that story. Uh, you know, they, they, they've literally got the, they've got the Chinese in there. You know, they, they have the Iranians, the Chinese. The North, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, um, I think President Trump could definitely do this because Putin would sit down with him. Zelensky, you know, Trump would make Zelensky, um, you know, I, I'm trying not to cuss on your show, but it starts with a B. Uh, he would make Zelensky uh, his, his little B, and um, without a doubt, um, Zelensky would run with his tail tucked between his legs back to his presidential palace and probably put on some stilettos and dance. Uh, Putin would meet with Trump. I think they would break bread. I think they would shake hands. And Trump would say, you know, Trump would probably put the same peace deal in place that Putin had in the beginning that these morons in the Biden regime wouldn't sign, which is, look, the Donbass, Donetsk regions, they can govern themselves, they have autonomy, they can either govern themselves, be part of Russia, be part of the Ukraine, whatever they want to do. Um, Crimea remains where it's at. We'll pull back and uh, you don't join NATO and this thing's over. That was on the table, like Dave Smith said, a year and a half ago. And, and I think that's probably the same proposal that Trump would make. Putin would agree to it and this thing's over. Um, it, it's amazing how we can do regime changes and we put somebody as dumb as Vladimir Zelensky in charge of something. Um, <laughs> this is just mind-boggling to me. Uh, this guy, this guy couldn't run a Waffle House, let alone a country. And it, it, it's just sad to me. But I think Trump would do well. I think you got to be really careful because of the allies. If you were to be like, if you were to tell me right now, okay, Matt, pick your teams. Russia has already picked, and they've got they've got China, Iran, India, uh, and North Korea. But don't worry, little buddy, you've got Australia, the UK, and France. I'd look at you and say, we're screwed, Colonel. And that's the God's honest truth, and I'll yield back to you. I know uh, we're running out of time, but I'll yield back to you. I mean, I, I don't like those odds. Do you as our allies versus theirs? Are you kidding me? Oh, absolutely not. But at least we do have Poland that's in the, in the vicinity, and Poland uh, is not taking anything. 
uh, at this point. Uh, let's just hope. What my concern is that they're going to do something. There's there's this little gap uh, that Poland borders, uh, and it's between uh, Ukraine and Belarus and Kaliningrad. You know the situation with Kaliningrad is that's a that, that oblast is is not part of Russia proper, but it's Russia. Uh, there's a little gap there, uh, and the Wagner people. You know, you remember the big, the big uh, coup that really didn't happen. That was just a fancy way to get the Wagner forces oh, yeah. to move into Belarus. Well, they're fortifying and building tunnels in that gap there between Belarus and Ukraine and Kaliningrad. Uh, the, there's, it's a very precarious situation there, and there are all kinds of rumors flying that the Poles might do something, uh, or that the Wagner people are going to infiltrate Poland through the immigration system, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and and uh, uh, a lot of the independent folks are watching that very closely. That might be the flashpoint that really sets this off. Uh, uh, when it comes to a, a NATO issue, because you know, if a NATO country gets attacked by Russia, then they're going to try to implement Article Five, which is you know an attack on one is an attack on all, uh, and, and we really are, Matt, in a in a similar situation pre World War One, uh, you know, when the Serbian uh, Archduke got assassinated, that triggered all these alliances. Uh, uh, that lined everybody up again, you know, on opposite sides of the line, and ended up with uh, uh, just a terrible conflagration. World War One. It really, it really kicked off the entire century of warfare that we see. Uh, looking back at the 20th century, and hundreds of millions of innocent people died, not counting the military people, uh, and and trillions of dollars expended on that. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean the the pre <laughs> I I think that honestly, if Trump gets reelected, and I think he I think he's got a really good shot at it. It's his to lose, not the primary. It's done. That's done. If 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 you're still in the primary, folks, you're being stupid and you're wasting our money that we need to beat whoever is running on the Democrat side. Let me just say that again. You're being stupid. Get out. It's over. Uh, but the general right now is Donald John Trump's to lose, no matter what happens, court-wise, uh, and it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters now. It's obvious that none of it matters. The deep state, whatever you call those people, are gonna, they're gonna do what they do. Uh, Trump's, Trump's can win, and then he can pardon everybody, including himself and all that stuff once he gets sworn in uh, and those kind of things. Uh, but he could end this before he even takes office, like Ronald Reagan ended the hostage situation with Iran. Uh, in the late 70s, before he even took the oath of office, Matt, you know, and uh, uh, and I think he can do it. I think the Germans will come along very quickly uh, because they are scared to death and they want to get their energy supply back from Russia through Ukraine as quickly as possible because it's so much more cheap. Uh, and uh, and I think uh, that uh, uh, the uh, the other smaller NATO countries that aren't the Eastern Bloc, the old Eastern Bloc countries, but the big ones like Germany uh, will come in and support the president because they want to get out of it. No, and, I, and I'll say this real quick. Poland's really beefing up their military. You know, they've already got 48 F-16 yeah. fighting Falcons. They've got 19 MiG-29s. They've got 18 uh, Sukhoi Su-22s. And then on top of that, you know, that's a bomber for those that don't know. But then on top of that, they've got 32 F-35 Lightnings which are basically stealth, you know, you know, on order from the United States. And then they have another yep. F-50 Golden Eagles. They've got 48 on order. Um, yep. And so those, it's, those are coming from Korea, South Korea, those F-50 Golden Eagles. So when you've, got, when you've already got 100 fighter jets and you're ordering yep. 104, you're, and, that ha and that order happened in about six months ago, you're gearing up for something. I think that's what you're getting at, correct? I am. Uh, let's hope it's just deterrence. Uh, that's what I want it to be, and that's what it should be. That's how you keep the peace by being strong. Well, Matt, we got to go, man. We're out of time. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, what's your coordinates, real quick? Uh, where people can find you, and at we'll real be Matt out of here. Couch. Yeah, I'm at Real Matt Couch on Twitter, True Social, almost everything, and then of course you can find my writing at thedcpatriot.com, and of course at redvoicemedia.com. Get out there and support Matt Couch and thedcpatriot.com, folks. They are. 
Red Voice Media, just like the Rob Manning Show is, the most dangerous network in America because we bring you the facts and the truth. I'll see you tomorrow on Training Tuesday. Ha, ha, ha.